Good evening. Welcome to Rose 101 Radio. This is uh, Vector from the New York Hero Initiative, and because traveling through hyperspace ain't like Dustin Crops, boy, she's the Leia to my Luke, the Chewie to my Han. It's rock and roll from the uh, San Francisco Hero Initiative. How you doing, my dear? I, you know what? I I love those intros. They always throw me off. I'm going, what? <laughs> they're they're so, they're just too cool. <laughs> you got you had me with the. Ain't like Dustin Crops, boy. Oh, that's it. Han Solo all over again. You know, I've used that one before, but tonight's show is about travel, and I couldn't resist uh, going back to a bit of old classic Star Wars there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you and I are the biggest nerds. Uh, nerds? Geeks? What are we now? I don't know anymore. I, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't even think we qualify for either anymore. I think we've transcended the uh, the normal pigeonholes that people try to place us in. Exactly, and with us typing on the uh, on the laptop, well, on his computer, since we do have him manning the studio for us, is is the one and only Nightbug. Say hello, Nightbug. Hello. I, you know, you know, so predictable. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> should be. I know where you live. Um, I'm sorry, Spectre. You were saying. I I, I wasn't saying too much, but. I guess the question is, we, we've been away for a while, and for anyone who's listening in for the first time and thinking, who the heck are you guys? Uh, who the heck are we, Rook? We are... Uh, We're Batman. We're Batman. We may not be the hero. You. Oh, God, that's just going to hurt my throat. Forget it. We're not wearing um, pants. Thank you. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, I'm Rock and Roll of the California branch of the Hero Initiative Group, and my wonderful co-host is Spectre of the New York Hero Initiative Group. And what is the Hero Initiative Group? I'm going to throw it right back at you, Spectre. Oh, man, right back <laughs> at me. So, <laughs> so we are, we're basically a group of, you know, call us what you will. We, we, we've we been called by many names, some more pleasant than others, but uh, we're loosely affiliated with a real-life superhero group. We are essentially a group of uh, outreach and activists and community workers who who volunteer in our spare time to do things to make our communities a better place, whether that involves homeless outreach, charity work, cleaning up parks, use needle pickup, uh, self-defense seminars, preparedness seminars, or this wonderful radio show that you're listening to. We do that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Very. See, I couldn't have said it better myself. Plus, I don't have the pretty British accent. So You do all right. <laughs> I do. I do right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's who we are. And we've been uh, doing this radio show, as it were, for, oh my gosh, are we going on our third year now, Nightbug? I believe so. Something like that. Yeah, I, I, it's, I think two and a half years or so, we're up to 41,000 listens, a little over that. And we try to teach you how to live a happier, healthier, safer life by bringing on guests that can do just that uh, and by giving you tidbits that we pick up along the way. So we hope you enjoy this. We've got a lot tonight, don't we? And and we picked up even more in our travels, haven't we, Spectre? Yeah, and you know what? I, I found a few um, traveling quotes before this show, and I, I don't like just throwing out quotes. They're kind of cheesy and empty and don't mean too much. But, you know, there was... Uh, some stuff some stuff I, I I was perusing before the show that kind of stuck with me and and one of them is by um a, an Arabic scholar, a guy called Ibn Battuta and uh 
the reason it stuck with me, this particular one, is this evening I was sat in an Arabic restaurant in Manhattan, and I was I had a few cocktails, and I was belly dancing like like you do on a regular Tuesday night. And um, <laughs> whoa, 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 so hold up! <laughs> We're going to have to go back to that. You know that, right? You just can't let that skunk into the room and get, take him back out and pretend nobody smelled him. So you know that's that's coming back later, just to let you know. Yeah, and you know what? I think there may be a video. And as, as you've seen oh, on the Lord. thing, which we're going to talk about later, you know, me dancing, it's its not a pretty sight. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I beg the difference. Um, okay, but, but anyway. Yeah, so there's a quote uh, that, that says, uh, traveling, it leaves you speechless and then turns you into a, sto- into a storyteller. And, uh, and we, we've been on some travels, and that was kind of the theme of this show is uh, is travel. And, you know, this this one, it, traveling leaves you speechless and turns you into a storyteller. Um, really, it rings true to me. You know, the, um, traveling doesn't have to be leaving the country. It doesn't even have to be leaving your town. It can be traveling in terms of experiences. And I, and I think we'll talk a little bit about um, some of the experiences that we've had and, and some that we've got coming up as well. Absolutely. I love that quote. That's wonderful. And you know what? There's another one uh, by Robert Louis Stevenson who who wrote famously, For my part, I travel not to go anywhere, but to go. I travel for travel's sake. The great affair is to move. And, you know, that that to me really rings true that um, sometimes it's just nice to go somewhere. <laughs> you know, whether it's uh, <clears throat> whether it's metaphorically going somewhere, as in doing something with your life, or whether it's... Uh, it's physically traveling, and uh, you know, there's nothing worse than kind of feeling like you're stale and you're doing the same old thing, stuck in a rut, doing the same old routine. And I'm kind of hoping that some of the stuff that we talk about tonight might inspire people to uh, to get involved, and you know, in some of the in some of the activities that we're talking about, and uh, maybe uh, you know, maybe make themselves a little bit happier in the process. Right, because whenever I see anybody on my well, Facebook, of course, traveling, posting anything. Not only does it it make me feel as though I'm traveling with them, you know, because you're living vicariously through their experiences, but it makes me want to do the same thing. It makes me want to plan the next trip because you're right. You stay in one place too long and stagnation is a dangerous thing for everyone. You need to you need to firm up your experiences by by seeing the world from a different perspective. And I love that that we've gotten to do that uh, these past few weeks that we've been away, and we've we've really missed you. I don't know about you, Spectre. I miss these guys. I miss uh, you know, chatting and and seeing them on the the little chat room there, and knowing that they've been listening. I you know, you guys mean a lot to me. What can I say? I'm all for Clem uh, now. I, you know what? I, I I was away for three consecutive Tuesday nights, and traveling. Yeah, you and suck. On two of them, and yeah, I really suck. And you know what? <laughs> Two of those, I was just on a plane thinking, shit, it's like 10 p.m. in New York. I should be on the radio. Like, <laughs> what's going on? Right, uh, you know, as right. much as maybe being stuck in a rut isn't the best thing, man, I had my routine and I was enjoying it. So it's good to be back. Yeah. Yep. So where did you go? Oh, wait, no, 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 real quick. The belly dancing. Because, I, you know, <laughs> I, I hope you're not thinking that, oh, the more we talk about something else, the more she's going to forget because she's got ADD. Oh, look at that shiny thing. Nope, nope. I want to hear. How did you do the? I mean, what happened? Was it a work thing, and then you had a little to drink, and what's going on? You know what? Honestly, it doesn't take a lot to. It doesn't take a lot of alcohol, <laughs> or, or really any at all, to make me do stupid things. It pretty much comes naturally, and and uh, and and also to be a center of attention. You know, I, 
I'm the typical introverted shrinking violet for five minutes. And then I'm like, oh, you've twisted my arm. I'll get on a table and belly dance. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, whoa, but, whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah. You were on a table? A this is just getting better. Boy, if you, you tell know, me you're naked, that's it. My head's going to explode. Nobody okay. needs to see that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you, you had a couple, maybe a drink, and then you're out there. And were you belly dancing with, with other belly dancers, with, with other yeah. women who... Wow. I must say, you know, belly dancing, uh, I'm mocking it now and having a bit of fun, but holy crap, is there some skill involved in that? I mean, there's, there's a woman tonight, right? She's got a regular plate, like a, a a normal plate that you'd eat your dinner from, and she's got mm-hmm. like 15 candles just balanced on this plate, all on fire. And she puts this plate on her head and belly dances around the room and then somehow kind of does like a cat back stretching thing and ends up doing like this kind of backwards bridge thing on the floor with this plate of candles on her belly and somehow didn't spill a drop of wax or burn the establishment to the ground. And you know what? That's uh, that's a different kind of skill. So, uh, you know, my my version of her belly dancing wasn't quite as graceful. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, that sounds impressive, but could you cook a kebab over those candles? Because, you know, that's what it's all about for me. I don't know, you know. Right, right, right exactly. Got to keep it in perspective here. Yeah. No, actually, that sounds awesome. They do have, belly dancing is amazing. They, you have to have a lot of control. And and I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful form of dance. So kudos to my co-host for taking part in something new. Woohoo! <laughs> I see the audience agrees. Wow. Yeah, I don't often yeah. get applause on this show. Right. Okay, so where did you go? Because I know you took off. I know there are RLSH, and welcome to all of you real-life superheroes. Um, you guys are awesome. And if for those of you who've never heard of real-life superheroes, there is a whole group of people out there. And I would say when I started this, they were in the hundreds, and now I'd say they're probably in the thousands, who go out and just do good deeds in their community, um, like us just to do it because nobody else is doing it. So um, welcome to those of you who are listening in tonight. Uh, We're going to get to all the juicy stuff too, but I really want to hear really quick about where my co-host went because, like I said, I have to travel vicariously through others sometimes. Yeah, and you you know what? It's funny you say about real-life superheroes. I've been doing some work over the last week with other real-life superhero groups here in New York. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think, as you say, a lot of people don't know what it is, and 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 being from New York, there is a, an aspect of, hey, you, you guys are the guys in the masks, right? You guys are the guys who go around and hunt down pedophiles. And No, no we're, we're, we're not those guys. Nobody is those guys. Nobody, nobody who really actually does anything are those guys either. But, uh, you know, we were a bunch of guys. Actually, we, funnily enough, we did have two guys who wore masks on, on Thursday night. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. But we uh, were just giving uh, homeless guys some food. So it wasn't quite... Uh, hunting down pedophiles and kicking their asses. Um, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, to answer your question, um, I went to the UK for two weeks, uh, a bit more than two weeks, actually. And um, it's funny, you know, looking at these quotes, again, one jumped out at me. Um, there was a quote by Chuck Thompson, a, a bit more contemporary, uh, no place is ever as bad as they tell you it's going to be. And uh, you know what, I, I had really, um, I was actually kind of dreading my trip back to the UK and, and not... Not because 
I was doing anything terrible there, but because I had a whole bunch of immigration crap going on. And you know what? It, it's really freaking tough um, being an immigrant into the United States. You know, they make you jump through a lot of hoops and spend a lot of money as well on the uh, on the legal process and. Um, and, it, and it can be pretty grueling. So, you know, we had to go back and, and go for an interview at the U.S. Embassy and um, surrender our passports for a week to have them reprinted. And this, this whole uh, song and dance. <clears throat> and we, uh, so, you know, we did all this. And, and actually, um, they, they messed up our passports. Essentially, we got our passports back a day before we were due to fly back. Oh, crap. Got, yeah, I've got two daughters. And they printed the same girls' photos in two different passports. So, like, oh. one photo in two different passports, which was brilliant. Really Thank you, U.S. Embassy. That was my thousand bucks for my interview that uh, went towards that mistake. Um, so, anyway, wow. we were really nervous coming back in that someone was going to spot this mistake and not let us back in. But fortunately, they didn't. Um, but anyway, so there was, like, a sense of dread around this whole immigration thing. Because it really doesn't take a lot. You know, you answer one question slightly the wrong way, give them a cause for doubt, and you, you could be out of the country for six months while they investigate it. So, you know. Yeah, that would kill me because you're my co host. You're, you know, my <laughs> online significant other. And we, yeah, this is my teammate. We got to, you know. So I was going, yay, they're back in the country. Thank goodness. Yeah, I mean, not to mention the fact that my kids have got a school and I've got a house and we kind of have right. a life to live, you know. It would be yeah. kind of inconvenient not to be able to live that life for for a few months. Um, oh, but fortunately, that that all went well. So my uh, no place is ever as bad as they tell you it's going to be. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't as bad as I was dreading. Um, and, and also, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when, when I go and stay with family, I, I love staying with family. I, I, and, and, you know, I don't see my family often enough and... There's definitely an aspect of you know missing them like crazy, um, but also I'm a very private person who likes my own space. I like to just chill out, watch what I want on my TV, and uh, play a video game, whatever you know, have a bit of personal space. And you know the idea of not having any personal space, just living in you know in, on, on people's couches effectively for a couple of weeks is, you know, again kind of fills you with a little bit of trepidation. Um, but in this case, you know, it was it was actually really good. You know, the, the people we stayed with were massively accommodating, as as people always are. And uh, you know, again, it was it was a very chilled out, relaxing time. Um, but the the real highlight for me was uh, my my sister. So I, I have a sister who is 17 years younger than me, um, and she. You know, when, when she was born, I was already well. I guess I was 17, and I can probably do that math. Um, and, uh, you know, and 17-year-olds, I, I don't know, at least 17-year-old boys, or at least me at 17, I, I didn't want a baby in the house, right? I, I wanted to see <laughs> girls, and I wanted to drink, and I wanted a car, and, like, you know, there were there were definite priorities that I had in my life, and looking after a baby and having to be quiet every night was definitely not <laughs> on that priority list. Um and you know when my mom told me that she was having another baby and and uh, that we were going to have I was going to have a baby sister I was like why why would I want that you <laughs> know like come on um, so and uh, but of course when when this little person turned up I absolutely fell in love with her and and she I vividly remember and and possibly there may have been alcohol involved but not a lot uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, I vividly remember when I was uh, when I was about eighteen and she was about a year old. Um, she was in her crib, and I remember standing over her and just vowing, "Whatever happens, whatever happens to you in life, I'm going to look out for you. You know, I'm your big brother. Uh, that, that's my job. You know, I, I've, I've got your back, basically. And, and I really and I really meant this vow, and I've tried to stick to it forever. Um, so uh, my little sister got married a couple of weeks ago in the UK, and and it was really kind of a thing of passing that that mantle to her now husband. Um, and it was, you know, that was kind of emotionally a big thing for me. It was, uh, you know, it it wasn't something that uh, I that I took lightly. You know, um, getting over that was was a big deal. Um, and uh, you know, fortunately, her husband and and I guess you know someone who I would now think of as as a brother, regardless you know of whether it's a brother in law or not, I, I would see him as a, as a real brother. Um, and he's a very very cool guy, very relaxed and treats her well, and, and a great guy. Um, but you know, it, it, there was definitely a moment for me when the responsibility I'd taken for her kind of ended. And, and I guess this must be what it's like to be a father of the bride as well, and, and you know, present the bride's hand in marriage and, and basically hand over the reins to the new guy. And it's uh, you know, it's quite a trip, I must say. Uh, you know what? I'm going to send her a link to this show because you you probably make her cry. You know, with her hearing this. So um, I think that's fantastic. I saw the pictures. Gorgeous wedding. Gorgeous wedding. You clean up pretty well, you, you hippie. Yeah, get that ponytail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a plant that day. Um, you, know, you know what as well, though? Um, I guess the whole thing with her really is probably the root of where my whole superhero thing came from. You know, I, I mean, I loved superheroes as a kid. I read comics and blah, blah, blah. But the actual thought of having to... Um, be responsible for somebody and, and, you know, really taking, I guess, taking ownership of somebody else's safety. And, you know, I mean, even the number of times I, I would take her to one of my gigs where I'd be playing a show in some grimy bar in South London, um, and they would be sketchy places. And, and, you know, her safety was so on my mind. And, and um, you know, she, she I, I guess, again, it kind of, it really seeded this whole idea of a real-life superhero for me that, you know, there are there are things you can do to keep other people safe just by being vigilant and, and keeping a, a clear head on your shoulders and, and kind of watching out for the people that you care about. Exactly. Um, you know, we, we got to, we didn't get to travel as far as you did, but we did get to meet a couple of other superheroes, and it seemed like that's the running sentiment, um, you know, for the ones who really take this seriously and, and uh, really want to make a difference by being a real-life superhero. It's, it's it's just what you described. Right. And, right. You know, on, on a kind of lighter note, my sister had um, Ecto-1, the Ghostbuster car, as her <gasps> wedding car to take the bride and the bridesmaids to the wedding. And, and you know, she'd said to me, um, just don't go into the church at the start. You know, stand out in the street and watch the car come because I, if anyone's going to see it, I want you to see the car come around the corner. And I jokingly said to her, you know, is it the Batmobile? Is it? And I'd even said to her the night before, it can't be the Ghostbusters car because that's a hearse. You know, you can't have a hearse taking you to your wedding. Um, and you know, and and she got married in this tiny village in the UK, uh, which is really rural, tiny, narrow streets. And I, I'm stood there outside the church, and all of a sudden I hear, and, uh, and freaking Ecto-1 comes. And not only was the siren going and the lights, but they had the Ghostbusters theme song pumping out as they drove up this tiny little grassy street. And uh, unbelievable. 
Oh, my God, I love it. Yeah, I saw that post, and I went, no, she did not. Ecto, what? that's amazing. Yeah. And kind of surreal, you know, in this tiny, quiet little village, and wow. Bravo, bravo. Yeah, and so, you know, the other the other thing that was kind of trippy, and I, I feel like I'm monopolizing this or using this show as therapy, so I'm going to shut up in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> the other thing that was kind of trippy for me is I, I went over there for work as well, and um, I, I've been really resisting for a long time the thought that I might be becoming a manager because managers, in my experience, are not very nice. <laughs> I haven't mm-hmm. really wanted to be one very much. You know, I was a techie forever. Like, I, I was writing code when I was nine years old, and I had video games published when I was 11. Like, I, you know, that was my world. And I was very hardcore techie, had no interest in being a just a waste-of-time manager because, like, anyone can do a manager job, right? You don't need any skills. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyone can walk into a job and say, I'm a manager. And... um you know, so I had to go over there and do some management stuff, talking to the guys that I manage. And, um, you know, it made there were, there were certain points there where I actually realized I may not be bad at being a manager, and it might not be as empty a skill set job as I'd actually thought, because I, you know, I kind of found that I was learning a lot through doing it, and, uh, you know, the, I, and I think that people were getting a lot from it. Um, so, you know, maybe I am a real manager. Um, and, you know, one of the guys that I, I manage in New York said to me when I got back, he said to me, uh, um, I, I've never had any inspiration in my life. My dad sucked. My, uh, my, I didn't have any college professors that I looked up to. But he said to me, but you, you're my guru. And he actually said to me these words. He said, your voice to me is like the voice of God. And I thought, holy shit. Like this, you know, this, this, this is quite a head trip because I, I certainly – know that my voice is not the voice of God to anybody. I mean, not even my children. Like, you know, they won't <laughs> even brush their teeth for me, right? Um, but the idea that there are people who, um, and you know, he's, he's improved in his career since he's been working for me and attributes that to me. And, I, and I'm not big-headed enough to think that that's true. Um, but I do think that there is a certain managerial style that, that helps motivate people and inspire people. And, and you know, I'm starting to come around to the realization there's been kind of an epiphany that, uh, you know what, if I'm going to be a manager, I might as well at least make a good job and, and try to be a decent manager and help people along. And uh, it, it kind of parallels the sort of stuff we're doing with the New York Hero Initiative and uh, stepping in and taking the reins on some of that stuff that, you know, maybe managing stuff isn't isn't that bad. No, I've had some really, really effective managers who I still like to this day and I'd like to think that my employees you know I'm still friends with a lot of them um, right now so I'd like to think that they they got something out of my you're like me we're both more laid back than your typical manager and that helps a lot there's nothing worse than an uptight manager so uh, and you're right I see that with a lot of you know like uh, these groups that we're involved in outside of work we have two jobs, Spectre, don't we? We have, you know, what we get paid for, and then what we have, we have what we don't get paid for in anything other than, you know, what uh, I don't know, emotional rewards and such. It doesn't work but, that uh, way. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't work that. <laughs> and you Thank know, being you. a spouse and being a parent, and you know, those other hobbies that we have as well. Oh, did we lose Spectre? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay, oh, there you are. Okay. 
We cut out. It sounded like you cut out for one second, but that's just Bug and I were going, what, what, what happened? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so you know, it's. I love you sharing because you rarely share personal things like that on this show. You, uh, you know, you're you're usually business minded when you come on here. So to hear even anything about your family or anything like that, I, for me personally, I think it's nice. Yeah, well, you know, I'm uh, normally a, an enigma wrapped in a mystery, but uh, opening up a little bit. And, and I, you know, alcohol had nothing to do with it, right? Nothing. Mm. To do. <laughs> so I tell you what, I've, I've got to ask you about your travels. But first of all, I've got two quotes which I think may be appropriate for your travels. But let, let me oh, okay. let me know what you think. So one is by a, a person called Anais Nin, and the the, the quote oh, is, oh, "We travel." Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. One of my favorites. Go ahead. Go ahead. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the quote is: "We travel, some of us forever, to seek other places, other lives, and other souls." And I, I kind of, I, I really like the idea of traveling to seek other souls. That, that, you know, that sounds cool. Um, but the other one is by uh, Tim Cahill, which is: uh, "A journey is best measured in friends rather than miles." Ah. Oh. Yeah. See, the first one I'm I'm very familiar with, and and I love works by Anastasia. So, um, the second one, that's gonna probably be a motto that I keep somewhere to to remind me. Because yeah, it's you know I haven't other than I was born in the Philippines, and then I I came here uh, when I was still you know a small child. Um, but other than that, I've stayed on on American soil pretty much most of my life. Next year, that's going to change, though. Knock on wood. I'm knocking right now. I'm. In fact, I want to go to the UK to start. But um, we we have. I was just telling my father-in-law last night that you know I haven't traveled very far, but where I've traveled, it's it's always been amazing. We we keep finding these wonderful spots just in America, and you know especially when we went on that. That road tour uh, two years ago for Nation of Heroes, the documentary, which we'll be getting to in a couple of minutes. How's that for a segue? But, uh, yeah, like you. Hermione, truly. Thank you. Harry. But a couple weeks ago, we went to um, Seattle and uh, Portland. And we, like you, it's so funny, we got to um, watch two amazing people who are also uh, part of the real-life superhero world get married. And I got to perform the ceremony. <clears throat> so uh, it was it was really, it touched me, of course, because these are two people that I love. And the cool thing is, these are two people who, if, if you follow the real-life superhero community, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, really quickly, there were two teams, um, the, the Hero Initiative group, um, which is what we're part of, and the Rain City Superhero Movement. Uh, it was started by Phoenix Jones. It no longer exists. He, he disbanded everybody in there been you know problems with that but um he's in seattle and those two groups our groups couldn't stand each other i mean there was always smack talk between the two and you know uh we really didn't work together well two yes. mem- exactly two members uh, you know one from each team opposing faction fell in love and got married this weekend so who the hell thought that would happen i was Pretty blown away by the it's whole thing. Inconceivable. Exactly. The regular, regular Romeo and Juliet, right? It 
was. It was total Romeo and Juliet, so we're really happy for them. But we also got to spend time on the way home. We dropped by Portland and, uh, well, before Portland, we got to hang out at the Goonies house. Yes, right, the Goonies house, Mikey's place. Um, just, you know, for the afternoon, we dropped by Astoria and uh, got to see the ORV with bullet holes the size of matzo balls. And we got to see the jail. And we got to go, like I said, you know, just walk right up to the Goonies house where um, our son performed the truffle shuffle, which we were really proud of. That's right, we were. (laughs) And and then we came. Exactly. Thank you, Nightbug. (laughs) Thank you, Chunk. And so we we came back through Portland, and we got to hang out with another real-life superhero, um... Night Owl. His name is Night Owl. And Night Owl is cool because he is an EMT also and uh, was a uh, got to do firefighting and paramedic work. Um, was it in Afghanistan, I believe? In the Middle East, somewhere. Um, and, you know, takes that stuff and applies it here back in the States. So, pretty cool trip. But... Um, the whole time I was out there, I was, I was, call me, you know, someone who isn't focused on the moment. I was for the most part, but I had a day and a half of driving to think about the stuff that is coming up. And looking forward is one of my favorite things to do. I love it when we have projects and plans, and that's part of what we're talking about tonight. So yeah, with- and I'll tell you what, though, before we dive into mm-hmm. what's coming up, I have to say a, a shout-out to someone else who got married on the same weekend that <gasps> neither exactly. of us was able to get to, but uh, Tree Song right. from the Illinois Hero Initiative. Um, and, you know, if you don't know Tree Song, um, he is one of the nicest people on the planet, I would say, probably. Well, would you agree? Right. right. Tree Song, and yes, yes, his wedding does deserve. He got married to Grace. Um, and Tree Song is probably one of those people that you see in the movies who's very zen-like, very um, centered. He's funny, though. Don't get us wrong. He's got his, his own brand of sass. But who you probably can know for 50 years and not expect him to, his character to change much. He's, he's always, he feels like he's always going to be that steadfast person that you can you know, turn to for any advice or, you know, to calm you down. I, I just, I'm really sad that we didn't get to be there for his wedding because, you know, it was exactly the same day that uh, Temper and Evocatus got married. So, um, unfortunately, we couldn't make it, but we're so happy for them. They're wonderful. So, congratulations to them if they're listening. Yay! Um, but... What we've got coming up, right? Let's see. There's so many things coming up. I guess should we take them in order of of event that's happening? You know, because otherwise we're going to scramble all these dates. So, yeah, what do you maybe. say? Well, I'll tell you what. I and I, I hate to do this again, but you know what? I have some more quotes. And, and now go these, ahead. You're just a quote I machine, resist, right? Um, yeah, I, I really am a quote machine, and it, I could be slightly more verbose than usual tonight because of uh, the lubrication that's occurred. But um, the, the first That's one of these. Yeah, oh my quite. God. Wow, okay. Okay. Straight into that one. Um, the first one is by Marianne Radmacher, and, and this is uh, I am not the same having seen the moon shine on the other side of the world. And 
You know what? That, that's one thing that, that really struck me, and, and I think you, you, you know, you said you, you haven't travelled much, but I, I think certainly from a, a distance point of view, you can travel as much within the United States as you can travel, you know, to, to most other countries. It, it, it's just as far for me to come to California as it is for me to go to London from from where True. I live. You know, it's the same distance. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I know a lot of Americans who are kind of ashamed that they haven't got a passport, they've never left the country. But you know, there are so many different cultures, so many experiences you can have within within the United States. You know, regardless of whether you've you've gone abroad or not. Um, but I, I think the key thing is is having experiences. And you know, there were certain people, and and I met up with a lot of old friends when I was in the UK. And there are certain people that you feel almost like a, a kinship because you you shared certain experiences and, and seen certain things and. Um, and, and it kind of creates a bond. And then there are other people who really have not, and, and you know, through no fault of their own, they, they just don't want to do it. They live a very different type of life. But um, it almost builds kind of a rift between you, and you can almost feel that, that your experiences are taking you in a very different direction to, to where they've gone. Um, and, and, you know, maybe some of the things that you had in common maybe aren't so anymore, and, and it... Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I think experiences are everything. And if you haven't had them, there's no way you can even empathize <clears throat> with people who have. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and similarly, so these other two quotes, um, one by Anna Quinlan, um, the life you have led doesn't need to be the only life you have. And again, that to me, if you haven't had many experiences, that doesn't mean that you can't have any more experiences you know if you if you feel like you've led a very quiet sheltered life now is a time to change that um amen amen brother that's uh that's absolutely it and And the older you get sorry i'm sorry i was saying the older you get the more that that rings true well and that is exactly the last quote by mark twain who you know i'm a foreigner (laughs) i I don't know too much about mark twain he's not in our uh, uk literature too much and you know, regardless of whether you think he was a racist or not. Um, but uh, tw- the, the quote is, uh, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones that you did do. And uh, you know what? That, that's been my motto as well. And we'll talk about one of the things that I was thinking about with this quote in a second. But, uh, you know, the fact that life's too short for saying no to things and turning down opportunities. And, and you know, you'd you're going to stand a lot more of a chance to regret not having taken an opportunity than you will from having taken one. You know, that's the absolute truth. And I think the universe is trying to teach that lesson. I had a, you know, after we went to the gym today, we went out for a healthy lunch, but one of us ordered a burger and fries. And, you know, the rest of us kind of had our protein and our veggies and our fruit and such. We're eating it. And then somebody in the group said, you know what, I can step outside and get hit by a car. I'm going to have a few of those French fries. And I thought, you know what, that's absolutely true. You know, have a few of the fries. Say yes to, you know, you know when you're overdoing something. You know when you're doing something that's not in moderation, even moderation. So, you know, I, I when I heard that today, I went, absolutely, go ahead, because you don't know you know, when you're not going to be able to do this particular thing again. So you might as well do it while you can. If it's not something that's hurting anyone, go ahead, you know, do it. So, yeah, what um, the hell, just get on that table and belly dance. Exactly. Exactly. See, if we're not inspiring you to do something crazy, you're not listening. So um, let us inspire you. 
Yes, it does work that way. Let us inspire you to do something tonight. And if it's crazy, let us know, and we'll talk about it on the show next week. That'll be, oh, my goodness. That'll, in fact, I'm inviting anybody. If you do something crazy after listening to this show, something fun and crazy, not something harmful, please, we disavow yeah, shoot a any response. Thank you. Thank you. If you do it, let us know, and we will talk about it on the show next week. But talking so about guess, doing something, what, yeah, what's the first look, thing we've got? Well, you so know what, I, I coming up in is, eight is days. What are we doing, yeah, what are we doing right now, I guess, is, right. is the first point. And, uh, you know, what, what have you got going on kind of, you know, in the, in the immediate week or so with the uh, San Francisco team? Well, you know, we're, we're so busy working because we, uh, since we just got back, um, we gave up last weekend to work on uh, the last bit of Nation of Heroes, Taking Initiative, Nation of Heroes, um, which we're super excited about because it's coming out on the 1st. July 1st is right around the corner, and we've got to make sure that everything is taken care of. So um, those of you who don't know about uh, Nation of Heroes, well, actually, let me ask you real quick. So New York Initiative, what are you guys up to? I know you just did uh, a, a recent outreach with um, with Dusk Citizen and uh, some members of Beacon. Yeah, that's right. That was And actually with a, with a real-life superhero from the U.K. as well, a guy called Stephen Strobe, um, who was temporarily in New York, but we had uh, Dusk, myself, Marcus Angel, and, and Strobe. Um, but uh, it, you know, it's funny when when we do things in the New York Hero Initiative, we very rarely you know dress up in in any kind of costume. We we have these vest things with the logo on that you know are kind of more of a uniform. That the, the idea there is to give us kind of more of an authority when we walk into a, a potentially dangerous situation. But you know, they're, they're much more functional than they are. Uh, um, you know, visual, but, uh, you know, on, on this particular night, Beacon's whole thing is they go out um, normally in very well-populated areas, pretty safe areas, and uh, and they dress up in full-on costume, full-on superhero costume. And, uh, you know, Dusk, if you don't know Dusk, he's a heck of a character. He's a, an incredibly nice guy um, who does a huge amount for charity. He spends uh, a massive amount of his own time and his own money uh, doing doing stuff for charity. Um, but the way he draws attention to himself is by creating a character who acts like something of a douche. Um, and he, he would be the first to admit it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Dusk... Um, has the most awesome costume as as well as uh, as well as having an online persona which is something like a douche very different to his real persona um <laughs> he has this costume which is kind of part spandex old school superhero costume and then this incredible kind of almost hawk like mask um which is brand new and uh, so he's walking around in this there's uh, Marcus Angel who's dressed in kind of arm guards and another mask and then this strobe guy from the UK dressed in basically a pair of nylons with holes over his face and, uh, <laughs> and me and, and I'm wearing the stuff I wore to work like I just literally walked out of the office <laughs> when I did this so I, I'm kind of feeling underdressed um, but uh, you know to cut a long story short we, we um, had a lot of donations to generate money for this event and we had um, a very good amount of um, of packs to give out to homeless people and and they included everything from um, hand warmers, because, you know, even though it's hot, it's still cold out there at night. 
um, through to uh, water and food and sanitary items and soap and razors and so on. We, we had a really good stock of stuff to give out. Um, and we probably did two to three hours, not a very long patrol by our standards at all. Um, and we gave out every single item, like literally every last razor, every last pair of socks. Um, and, and we saw a shocking number of homeless people, which, you know, on the one hand, it was amazing to be able to help so many people in one night and, and to have a very, very focused, kind of effective um, outreach program. But on the other hand, it was just shocking to see how many people are just living on the streets of New York at the moment, more, more than I've ever seen on any other occasions. So. Um, wow. And you know what? It, it, there's something, whenever I do one of these for myself personally, there's always something that kind of touches me and, and speaks to me on a very personal level. And, um, you know, there, there, there are a lot of homeless people you see who, I, I hate to say that they look like homeless people, but, you know, there, there are people that you can see, you know, they're, they're, they obviously haven't had a chance to clean themselves up. They haven't shaved in a long time. You know, they're, they they look you know they look like they've had a hard time um and and this this event a woman came up to me on the street afterwards and we were almost out of supplies we had virtually nothing left um and she was very kind of timid she was hanging around the edge of the group and didn't really want to come and talk to us so i took her aside and i said look you know uh, is you know are you living on the streets and she said yeah i am um and she was young she was probably in her mid 20s she was white blonde you know she didn't look like you know, the, the stereotypical homeless person, she looked fairly clean. Um, so, yeah, she admitted, yep, I'm living on the streets. And I said, is there anything you want? And she said, look, to be honest, I haven't eaten in more than two days. And, oh, my. Uh, yeah, and I gave her, and I had two protein bars left in my bag, which I gave her. And she was just so overwhelmed by just being given enough food to, to last her a few hours um, that she, you know, that she just hugged me in, an, in a complete overwhelming um uh, kind of fit of emotion and it was in tears and you know things like that just blow my mind because you know you wouldn't treat an animal like that you know you'd be put in prison for starving a dog for two days and the fact that the fact that people are living like that you know a few miles away from where i live just you know just makes me think i wish i could do more i wish i could help more um so i guess my my point there is Really, anybody could do this. You know, I literally, I walked to a dollar store in my lunch break. I spent 15 bucks on a few items that I donated. And I spent a couple of hours of my evening walking around Penn Station in New York. You know, none of that was dangerous. I wore the clothes I wore to work, you know, smart trousers and a shirt. You know, it's, I didn't wear Kevlar. I didn't wear a mask. You know, anyone could have done that in, in any time. They could have done it on, the, on their own and been completely safe. So... Um, you know, what I'm trying to say is anybody could get involved in this. It's the most rewarding thing that you can do with your spare time. Um, the people the people love you for it. And, you know, the, these myths of, you know, if you give a homeless guy something, they're just going to throw food back at you because all they want is drugs and alcohol. Honestly, most of the time that's just complete bullshit. And it's just spread by negative people who are too lazy to contribute. Um, so, you know, I would encourage anyone who's thinking, actually, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that. I kind of feel... I feel responsible. I feel like a member of society who needs to step up and help people around me. Get in contact because we, we really need, you know, anyone we can have to, to make these, these homeless outreach events more regular, more successful. Um, you know, we would really appreciate anyone's help. 
thank you for that because you know it's the truth people think that yeah, I get that all the time too oh you know they want to be out on the street they you know they're reprobates or you know what I I just I just give them what I can when I'm out there which is usually food and such and I don't think I've had in the four years that we've been doing this one person give us, you know, throw back food in our face or give us a hard time. There was one girl who was slightly drugged out, and you could tell. Um, And, you know, we were handing out food, and uh, the last things we were handing out were these little cupcakes because it was a holiday. I believe it was either Valentine's or something. And um, she said, is this supposed to fill me up? And that was the only negative thing that we got. And then I realized that she, you know, she wasn't doing well. She wasn't, you know, like I said, along with the cupcakes, we're we're handing out other items of food, but I don't think they had gotten to her yet. So that, you know, in four years, that's the only remark I've got from someone that, that you don't expect them. They don't have to give you a big hug and a big thank you because they didn't ask for you to come out there and give them items. So we don't expect it anymore. But when you get a response like you got, you know, that's so heartfelt and makes a difference and and can absolutely restore someone's faith in humanity and other people, that's what makes the effort, the tired feet, you know, the occasional burnout worth it, just that one response. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I mentioned it probably a month or two ago that uh, we did an outreach event closer to the winter. Um, and, and there's a guy near where I work who I, I, I see regularly. I'm pretty much every single day I walk past him. And um, and, and he's he's an elderly black man, very, very frail, hardly any teeth left. But incredibly, he's very well-dressed. He, he's very clean, very well-spoken. And Everybody that walks by, he asks them for a dollar or something and then says, God bless you, have a great day, and, and wishes them well, you know, regardless of whether they even acknowledge him or not. And, um, and yeah, this guy, I, I was walking past one morning, and I had a, a pack with me, and I gave it to him. And, you know, it had food and stuff in, and, and I think he, he probably does okay for food in, in the shelters. Um, but he was amazed to find a razor and, uh, and a bar of soap in there, and he said to me, um, he said to me, you know what, I haven't been able to, to really wash or have a shave in about four weeks. And, um, and you know, I've been trying to get a job interview lined up, and, and I really want to, you know, I really want to move into an apartment, and I've got these plans. Um, but he, he said to me, I felt like nobody cared. I felt like all these people were walking past me, and they would be just as happy if I died out here on the street. And now I feel like someone actually cares. And, oh. you know, that that to me is... You know, there's nothing more powerful than that, is there? To take someone who's lost all hope, like you say, lost all hope in humanity, and then be able to, to just give them that, that slight glimpse of light that actually maybe people give a shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, with something as simple as a dollar razor and a, and a yeah. bar of soap, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what we try to to promote here. If If someone asks me, well, what is the platform of this, you know, your radio show? Uh, we just want you to know that you can do it. We're here to inspire. We're here to help show you how to do it. Uh, and just if you wanted to help out somehow and you were listening to uh, Spectre, um, if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. But, 
take our word for it, you probably won't get, if anybody gives you warnings about, oh, you don't help the homeless, it keeps them around, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Don't listen. Don't listen. Their, their rewards are far better than whatever their, their perceived, you know, crazy events are. So that type of attitude is what we like to spotlight. Um and the it is actually the um, subject of this documentary web series. Holy crap! How long has this taken, Inspector? <laughs> like two years. To... Coming in September 2014, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. 2014 uh, Filipino time, which is what I wrote off. Sure, no, wasn't. Yeah, not a chore at all. Okay, so taking initiative, Nation of Heroes, we. Uh, the Hero Initiative had this idea that we wanted to show more than the negativity. You know, you just turn on the news and you're going to find just all these awful stories. There's there's so much negativity. There's so much um, sadness and uh, despair that we wanted to provide some kind of balance because, honestly, there are no news channels. There's maybe one news channel that we know of. We were actually on that news channel that it's called Good News or something like that. I don't know, uh, here in San Francisco. And it's it's got good, you know, heart heartfelt, uh, warming stories. But really, it's, it's just some local station that, that barely anyone has heard about. So we decided that we wanted to spotlight the unsung heroes. We wanted to spotlight these efforts of people around the United States and, you know, whether or not they fit your description of heroic, they fit our description because to us, a hero is something that someone that does something where someone isn't doing something. So whatever that is, giving someone, you know, a bar of soap and, and a razor, that's, that's that guy, you're his hero now, Specter. So to him, that was heroic. Um, so Nation of Heroes, we thought of this. We 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 put together a fundraiser because um, we needed. If you're going to take people in a van and go across the United States and do this for two weeks, you need gas money and you need food, you need lodging and uh, video equipment, whatever you need to make a documentary. Um, we asked for. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't make that much money. We we made maybe a third of what we needed. Uh, literally a third of what we needed, and um, we ended up supplementing the rest with our own money. You know, we worked overtime. Uh, we found ways to guerrilla film, and um, we we did it anyway. And that was in the summer of 2013, and the trip started in San Diego. Well, it started in the San Francisco Bay Area here at home, and seven of us piled into a van and drove to San Diego first, which is where Project Hope is. And we'll get to Project Hope later. I'm not going to talk about every single stop we made because I'm going to leave something for you to see in the um, documentary, which is now a documentary web series. Because we realized there's no way we could fit all these stories into, you know, the short amount of time that a documentary would, would require. So this way we can also add to it if you know somebody who you think is heroic in the community who's been at it for a while, uh, I would say at least 
to half a year to a year minimum um, and, you know, has documentation of what they've done. By documentation, I mean maybe somebody did a little story on them or maybe there's a group of people who can tell us about them. We we will try to get to your area and somehow get their story into one of our episodes. So if you're listening right now and you know of somebody heroic that you think fits that bill, you can contact us. You can contact us through um, our Taking Initiative Nation of Heroes Facebook page. And to find it, that's all you have to type in in the search bar, Taking Initiative Nation of Heroes. Yeah, or you can just message us on the Heroes 101 page. You know, we're the same people. Absolutely. We're everywhere. We're, all, we're all over the place. <laughs> right. So, and you know what? Um, I, I love the idea, actually, like you said, of, um, you know, mm-hmm. as you said, we we went to a huge, or you went to a huge amount of trouble a couple of years ago to, <laughs> to film all of this and catalog it and, and have an enormous amount of footage. But um, I love the idea of now building up footage for basically a, a Nation of Heroes season two or something, you know, where... Uh, Maybe we uh, maybe we've got a couple of events uh, coming on this year that may be uh, maybe worthy of putting into that season as well. Oh, you know I'm bringing a camera to everything, right? So <laughs> GoPro, camera, iPhone, whatever I use to record, um, we're doing that. Uh, so we did it. We did 27 day, uh, 27 states in 25 days. Yeah, it was insane. It was That's a big twinkie. Yeah, that was a. See, I love that. That's a good pull night, Bug. You got the Ghostbusters and a, you know an appropriate quote. At the same I'm time. trying tonight. There you go. Uh, as opposed to every other night, we sit there and you know stare at your thumb. Yeah. Okay. That's what she said. Wow. Um. Anyways, and so in eight days on July first, you get to see the pilot episode, which is longer than our normal episodes. But you know, it's what twenty minutes, thirty minutes tops. And and this is a segue into the next uh, hero event that that we're going to be talking about tonight. But it it started um, with Project Hope in San Diego, and that uh, is where our our documentary begins. So please, we will be posting all about it and share it with your friends because if they want a positive message, if you know somebody who's going, I just can't stand the world. I hate people, et cetera, et cetera. You know, link them to this because they could probably use the good news. They could probably use the inspiration because we were so inspired. Um, are you really doing that, the Hulk? Wow. <laughs> For the sad people. For the sad people. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, Cheer you up, know, I, If I weren't married to him, I would fire him. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I, I just had an, a vision in my head then of the end of Age of Ultron with Hulk flying away and that uh, in, in oh. the and that music in the background as Hulk's disappearing into the sunset. But uh, oh, anyway, perfect. oh my God, I think we need to redo that scene. Abby, <laughs> there you go. Give you the credit. Uh, but, but yeah, in, in terms of Nation of Heroes, so you say it's coming mm-hmm. out July first. We're going to have a bunch of trailers and things. Uh, we. We already have a, a Heroes in Motion trailer, which is uh, already out all over the place. We'll post it up on the Heroes 101 site after this if you haven't seen it. But uh, there are some other cool trailers. So if you're thinking to yourself, what the crap is this documentary? It's going to be amateur hour. It's going to suck. Just just check it out and have a, have a yeah. watch, okay? Because uh, uh, it could be pretty special. Yeah, it's, it, it'll inspire you. That was our whole 
our whole purpose was to share and inspire. So uh, look for that eight days, July 1st. Woo! Um, speaking of Project Hope, which I, I had just a minute ago, um, we are heading back down there this, uh, in, gosh, July, July 10th. Speaking of things that come out in July, you're all invited to this. I just put out a big invite. Seriously, you come out. If you tell me you're coming out and you actually make the trip to San Diego, California, to help us out in the biggest real-life superhero homeless outreach event of the year and the biggest one in the world at this point. So because there aren't a lot out there, this is the one. Um, and by biggest, it's, it's it's not so big that it's impersonal. I mean, really, we have under 100 people there. But I promise you, you will leave feeling like you've just met old friends. So I'm still trying to get Spectre out to one of these, but he's he's got all these travel timing conflicts. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that sucks, you know. I'm I know. The day when hope is on, I'm going to be on a flight to Vegas. So uh, not, I not know. Flight to oh, Vegas, for you. For yeah. you. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> But, all right. <laughs> Not going to have nine bucks. Um, the Project Hope is on July 10th, and it is in, if you are listening and you're in the San Diego area, anywhere close by, uh, we meet at what we call the staging area. It, it's a parking lot that is um, on President's Park Boulevard and President's Way. You can Google that. Park Boulevard, President's Way. We meet at 10 o'clock in the morning. We sort everything that we've been collecting all year long, which is sleeping bags, backpacks, um, toiletries, and food, and water, and, and meat. So much meat. And we give them to the homeless. Uh, we, we get together. We put them in packs, and then we all go out as a group into the um, downtown San Diego area, just couple blocks away and we go to the homeless areas of of which San Diego tries to gloss over and hide during Comic-Con. I mean because Comic-Con is the biggest thing that to happen to San Diego every year, right? They don't want you to see their homeless population. So they try to to move them and and get them out of the public eye. Well, we think that sucks. So while everyone's dressing up for cosplay events at Comic-Con, we're dressing up in fun superhero gear. And we um, and and don't let that deter you if you want to go and you don't have a costume. Who cares? Come on out. You know, I'll give you a cape. And uh, we walk around and hand these to people who are sitting there in the hot sun, hungry, tired, and probably very disillusioned with with uh, humankind. So, uh, if you want one of the most rewarding days of your life, come and join us. We were out there for a couple hours and then we all hang out later together. Uh, after the handout this year, we're all going to a park. We're all going to do a little potluck picnic and sit around on blankets and throw a frisbee around or just chill out and get to know each other better. Doesn't that sound That's that for a slice of fried gold. Right. Yeah, boy. Um, I have that one. So that's, uh, that's, that's January, I'm sorry, July 10th. And that's, it's on a Friday, and I'm sorry if it's on a Friday and you have to work, call in sick. That's right. I gave you permission. You can tell your boss that. Rock and roll gave you permission. Um, the you next know, one, one other thing I was going to throw out there, because, you know, I, I can't make it, which, as I say, really sucks. As much as I'm going to be in Vegas at a UFC event, you know, bored mm-hmm. out of my mind. 
in a ringside seat. No, um, but uh, as my, I'm not going to be in a maker, which which does disappoint me because I was really looking forward to it. But <clears throat> if if you're going along and you're thinking, okay, I'm going there for the Friday, you know, th- there are definitely other things, other hero-related, outreach-related things going on. There's, I know that the Legacy Initiative have something going on on the Saturday. Um, but if you're also thinking, look, I really wish I could just go there and make the most of it and go to the San Diego Comic-Con, but it costs a fortune. There's 50 million other people going there. Oh, I'm sorry, are we uh, interrupting Ignore that. Comic-Con? No, ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, if you're thinking, I really wish I could go to Comic-Con, there is an alternative which doesn't cost you a fortune, shouldn't be crazy crammed. There's a thing called Nerd HQ in San Diego, and I kind of feel bad plugging this, but uh, it just looks incredible, right? This is um, run by Zachary Levi, the actor, um, the guy who played Chuck, um, and it's run by a, a group called the Nerd Machine. If you're into IT, then you, you probably heard of the Nerd Machine. But it's basically a four-day festival, completely free, doesn't cost you a penny to get in, at the New Children's Museum in downtown San Diego, right by the uh, the San Diego Comic-Con. And um, they've got, um, they've got. Actually, they, they've had guests there in the past. People like Joss Whedon, uh, sorry, Joss Whedon, Evangeline Lilly, Jeff Bridges, Seth Green, Scott Bakula. I mean, huge names: Vin Diesel, Guillermo del Toro. Like, you know, big, big um, media type people involved. Um, I think they've got the guy who plays the Arrow there this year as well. So. Um, you know, if if you're in San Diego for Hope and you've got a few hours to kill sometime, then uh, I would recommend rather than uh, queuing up to try to get into Comic-Con or paying a fortune for a ticket, maybe check out Nerd HQ instead and, uh, you know, take a slightly more alternative approach to the weekend. That's a great alternative because I'm sorry, it is it is nigh impossible to get into Comic-Con right now if you don't have a ticket. So um, no, that's, that's yeah, a great alternative. I don't know about you guys, but... We we have the same thing in New York, right? New York Comic Con costs a fortune, and it's become mm-hmm. almost like this whole kind of snobbery where people go to this earlier convention called Special Edition just to line up. I mean, one of the guys from the New York Hero Initiative actually lined up for more than a day to just buy tickets to a later New York Comic Con convention, right? I mean, it's yawn, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, I would rather vote with my feet and go and do something else, you know. Exactly. Thank you. Forget that. I so. think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, now, really. you know, it, uh, you reminded me that those of you who are listening going, oh, I can't make it to San Diego, that's bank, and I'm a real-life superhero, and I'd really like to be involved in that day of outreach. You know, we've had for the past four years, we've also had something called, we got together, um, and created, we got together with all the real life superheroes, and the initiative um, created this day called Signs of Hope. And Signs stands for Superheroes and Initiative Giving Network. Now, what we do is we encourage everyone in their own towns to get together, even with one or two friends. Get your costumes on, go out and do your own type of outreach. And if you don't have money, to get them backpacks and you know because we we collect those all year guys don't don't feel discouraged if you don't have a lot if you can't even afford granola bars just get some friends together in costume and go out and lend them an ear go out to your homeless populations around town and just be friendly you know for the day and and if you want to feel involved and, and feel like you're all connected that day with all the other superheroes out doing things in San Diego what we do is we take your photos send us a photo and we put them up on a um on our project hope wall 
so that your efforts, you know, people can see all these other people doing this in their own little parts of the country. One time we had 17 states involved with uh, with Signs of Hope. It's held on the same weekend that Project Hope is held on. And like I said, you just send us your picture and suddenly you're a part of it. You're part of that big superhero, you know, uh, movement for homeless outreach. And um, like I said, that, that one's free. That one's on you. That one's however you get your little group together. You know, you can always go out alone, but I always advise going with someone else. So if you want more information on about Signs of Hope, check it out. Just put in s.i.g.n.s of hope in your search bar for Facebook, and it'll take you right to it. Um, another thing we've got coming up, Let's see, that's July. Uh September. We were we were moving the date of something that we had created uh as a charity fundraiser that involved heroes of every kind. And you when I'm saying this, I mean anybody who wants to do something heroic. You don't have to be part of the real life superhero movement. You can just be someone who wants to do something good for their fellow man. We also created the Mighty Masked Mile. And it looks like that's going to be held in September of this year. And did you want to tell them more about that, Spectre? Yeah. So I think, again, the Mass Mile was, was designed for, you know, and I've had a few people who say to me, look, I can't even afford to, you know, I can't even afford to do stuff locally with my own local team, let alone get out to San Diego. As you say, you know, it's crazy expensive. I've got to pay for flights and accommodation and blah, 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 and wine, 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 and <laughs> which is, you know, all very justified. Um, and the Mass Mile was designed to be an event that you can do locally in your own town for nothing. It doesn't cost you anything at all and, and and also is accessible to anyone. You know, the idea was rather than doing, you know, a mud run or a, a charity run, we just do a mile walk um, through, you know, some of the more picturesque parts of some of the some of the nicer cities of the world and that we we coordinate that across across the world essentially uh through we we've got groups already signed up in the UK another one in Europe and and various cities across the USA and the idea is that we will have costumed people whether they're they're real life superheroes they could be cosplayers they could be you know people who dress up for charity they or they could just be families who like dressing up you know it, it it's just it's just a charity walk and the idea was that every penny of that charity walk that people donate to be involved in it goes straight to the charity. That, you know, we don't have any overheads. We're not some bloated charity with admin costs and all of that crap. You know, every single penny goes to charity. So, you know, our, our goal with doing this is, A, we have a lot of fun. We bring a lot of good people together who are very positive thinking and, and want to, you know, want to do good in the world and, and hopefully make some new friends and build some bridges uh, generate some money for for some very good charities as well, and 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 then also you know the whole thing should snowball. You you should be able to watch the team in London walking across Tower Bridge, then you know switch over to the New York team walking through Central Park, and then off to Salt Lake City, and then Seattle, and and then San Francisco. You know it, it should be a, a global phenomenon, which we're, we're video blogging as we do it. Um, you know and, and with various crazy Jedi and Trekkies and, you know, Lord of the Rings fanatics and whatever, just all bundled together in one big celebration of just having fun and, and raising money. 
Yeah, and I'm excited about that because can you imagine what, uh, you know, a group of people walking a mile around the city would look like? That's pretty amazing in costume. <laughs> I think it'd be a fantastic way to draw attention to, you know, what is everybody doing? It's not Halloween. No, this is us. It's people trying to just do good for the community, raising money. for. Fun. I think I think it's a fantastic idea. And uh, you can pull anybody in. You can pull your coworkers in, you know, because I'm sure that everybody's got this secret desire to dress up like their favorite hero. You know, they yeah, can wear whatever yeah, they right. want. Like literally every single person. And, you know, I work with some, uh, um, some open-minded people. I also work with some very, very straight-laced people. But... Every single person I speak to, they're like, "What you mean? I could be Catwoman and I could walk through Central Park and like, and uh, right. you know, there were going to be ten Batman there and five Obi Wan Kenobi's and and yeah, you know, the the idea of just a really just basically a big old fancy dress party um, in a pleasant time of the year in a great place in the city uh, really really appeals to people. So you know, I'm hoping it's going to be a good crowd, a good amount of money raised for charity, and, and a really good time. Yeah, exactly. And and at this point, you know, any money raised for charities, especially for good charities like uh, you know reputable ones like uh, the the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, now that one is is always one of the best. If you can't figure out a charity, you know, to give to, that's always a great one. And now, if you're listening and you're saying this sounds like a really good idea, how do I get involved? Well, all you have to do, everything that we talk about, is really easy to find on Facebook, um, and we always put up links if you go to our page, uh, you know, the Heroes 101 Radios page. We, um, Our wonderful Nightbug guy always puts up the links to anything we talk about, but you can always just go into Facebook or into Google and put in Mighty Masked Mile, and it'll take you to, to our site. So, the, you know, we can help you out. you got questions, please ask. We'd love to help you get started on a you know, nice route around your city. It's just one mile, just one mile. Anybody can do a mile. Even, you know, if you've got somebody who's disabled and wants to, you know, I can help push a wheelchair for a mile because it's worth it. I think it'd be a wonderful experience. So um, that is coming up in September. And then in October, what do we have coming up in October? I'm uh, pretty you know excited what? about I that. Have to, I have to interject with the, before the October one with a couple of quotes mm-hmm. because this October one is a bit of a head trip for me, and I kind of blabbed my <laughs> big mouth and got myself into it. But uh, quote, quote number one, another Mark Twain quote here, right? Um, Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all of one's lifetime. So, you know, that speaks for itself. And uh, Andre Gide, an, another uh, another uh, famous writer, wrote, uh, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. And, you know, for me, for me, this next one, it, it's not, it's it's way outside of my comfort zone, which is, is probably a very, very good thing. Um but it, it's certainly something I look look forward to with a little bit of uh, trepidation. So we had uh, we had Misfit on our show probably a couple of months back now, talking about about personal fitness and and how do you get in shape and recommended diets and exercise plans. And it was you know if you haven't heard it, check back in the archives. It was a really really interesting and inspiring show. And um, you know and and Misfit and and 
Rock, you, you, you yourself have been involved in these uh, warrior dashes over the years for the St. Jude's Children's Hospital, right? Right. This is going to be our fourth year. Fourth year, I think. And Misfit, just to let you know, who the hell is Misfit? Well, she is also a real-life superhero. And if you're going to um, model anyone, you know, after a real-life superhero, she actually looks like one. Um she is a, a Miss Olympia runner-up. She's a professional bodybuilder, and she's beautiful. And probably the sweetest person, one of the sweetest people you could ever meet in your lifetime. And I defy anyone who meets her to say, oh, you're wrong. She's a jerk. Yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Four years of knowing this woman and sweetest person ever. But, yeah, we, we've been doing this now for um, almost four years. Uh, and you know what? I've learned that mud uh, doesn't taste horrible. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but you can, tell them more <laughs> you can tell them more about it. Spectre, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I must admit, the thing the thing for me, I mean, there, there are mud runs all over the place. You can do your Spartan races and your Tough Mudders and so on and blah, blah, whatever. Loads and loads of people do them. And, you know, some are more difficult than others, sure. Um, you know, we could have a pissing match all day about, you know, who's the toughest there. But um, the real thing that, that attracted to me to this more than anything else is hearing um, Misfit and, and uh, White Scorpion previously on, on another show talking about why they did this, the charities that they donate to, and, and the amount they've raised. So so basically the, the charity... Uh, is the uh, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And if, if you don't know what that is, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital is basically a hospital that that dedicates their, their time and resources to helping uh, children with deadly diseases, normally cancer. Um, and, and obviously, you know, as a parent, I, I don't think there could be anything more terrifying or horrifying than the thought of you know your child getting cancer i mean it's it's just every parent's nightmare every every human being's nightmare and you know this st jude's hospital deal with that every single day they uh, they they do a ton of stuff they offer basically free treatments they offer free palliative care counseling for parents um but probably more importantly than anything else they do actual cancer research looking for a cure for, for cancer um and and they're, they're very collaborative as well. I, you know, I think some, you look at some drug companies, they hoard their research because, you know, there's a ton of money to be made in a cure for cancer, let's, let's be fair. Um, the St. Jude's Hospital have a very different kind of ethos to that. You know, they, uh, it, it's all about share and share alike, and whatever they can do to further the cause of, of a cure for cancer, they'll, they'll do it. So they, they share their results very freely as well. So, you know, really... There's nothing about this this charity not to like. They're, they're one of the the best charities you could ever think to give your money to. Um, so in terms of you know why would we do this? Just the charity that that Misfit and, and White Scorpion and the team have picked. You know you couldn't you couldn't find a better one than that. Um, and, and then moreover, over the last four years, as Rock said, they they've had very very successful uh, Warrior Dash runs. They've raised over that time almost fifty thousand dollars in terms of sponsorship, which is just incredible. More than any other team, you know, no other teams come come even close to that amount. And uh, and you know, our goal this year with with a slightly bigger team and and a, a real push behind it is to get is is to is to get up to twenty five thousand dollars raised by uh, by October when we do this run. So that that's a hell of a lot of. of children helped, families helped, and, and good done in the world. So 
you know, as much as the idea of climbing a rope doesn't appeal to me and, and, uh, and sinking into some muddy bog and having to be winched out by a crane, probably, I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to give it a shot to, to raise that money for the, for those kids. Now, see, every year we tried to raise 15000 That was our goal uh, because Misfits team is called the Misfits for Life. And like Spectre said, um, we've been the top fundraisers for the past three years um, out of anybody uh, who does the Warrior Dash. So that means we go out and we hustle and we ask our friends and our family and we promise things and we we deliver, you know, and uh, they give us their pennies uh, to the tune of, you know, $50,000 in three years. Um, And so this year... The Warrior Dash is being held, you know, because every year it's in Northern California, which makes it easier for us um, because, you know, I live in Northern California. Spectre, by the way, is all the way in New York, if you haven't surmised that by now. But um, this year, the Warrior Dash is not in Northern California. The closest one is, it's not the closest, but there is one in Tennessee, Nashville, Nashville, near Nashville, an hour outside of Nashville. And it's on October. October 10th, and Spectre and I foolishly signed up this year, and good Lord, um, it ain't easy. It's, it's, it is a lot of crawling and climbing and falling into a mud pit and getting hosed, and, you know, it's literally hosed. They had a fire hose there one year, and, you know, it's not pretty, but when you consider that this is something we can get out of, we can finish you know, yeah, it's a little, it's a lot of it's fun. A lot of it is just freaking grueling, you know, in the sun. You're you're covered with mud and your knees cut up, which happened to me one year. And But you still got, you got to finish. That's nothing compared to the children that we're helping. They, most of these children probably have no idea, no grasp of, of what is overtaking their bodies, you know, um, when they're faced with a debilitating disease and, and, and they don't know what to expect. And um, it's the very, very, very least we can do. So we encourage you, if there's one near you, um, sign up. Sign up for a Warrior Dash. It's not that expensive either. And um, if you are out in the Tennessee area, join us. Join Misfits team. It is open to anyone. We, you know, the more the merrier. Um yeah, and you know, if you can't, this, this year as well, okay. we, as well as actually doing the Warrior Dash itself, um, we're going to be actually going to the the St Jude's Hospital, which is which is a few hours drive away from from where the Warrior Dash is. And yeah, um, you know, I, and and um, you know, I think again, I, I should imagine, and I have no idea what to expect from that at all, other than I, I should imagine it's going to be a mind blowing, life changing experience to, you know, to be around. Um, the, the kind of you know the kind of sadness, but also the kind of bravery that that these these kids you know have to display every single day dealing with what they deal with. So um, you know I, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm very very appreciative of the chance to have that experience. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, Spectre. I I I've avoided doing something like that. You know, we'll raise money for for hospitals. We'll do all this. The reason we haven't donned the costume and gone up to, um, you know, a, a ward, a children's ward, is because I think I, I don't know if I can handle it. I'm gonna go with you guys, but honestly, I don't. You know, that's just. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, on that day, I'll ask everybody, please just send me some good energy, because you know it's not gonna be easy. Um, 
but uh, we're doing that. And if you can't do any, you know, of the things that we suggested, you know, signing up for one or joining us in Tennessee, if you can give up uh, the cost of a coffee, you know, three bucks, and you want to um, donate to our, our um, pages, we would love that. I would love that. Uh, again, we'll put up links on our Facebook Heroes 101 um, page. And, you know, even three bucks, I would just, seriously, I read the, the donation. I go, oh, you guys rock. Thank you so much. So, you know, we, Spectre and I would completely appreciate it. Um, are we forgetting any upcoming hero events, Spectre? I'm, I'm like, we talked about a few. I don't, think, few. So. I, I think, I don't I think, think so. I think that's all the big ones anyway over the summer. Yeah. Um, I know we've got, we've got to talk about our upcoming guests, uh, um, especially one that's coming on next week, is it? My book. We hope. Yeah, we're hoping for next week. So, yeah. Um, and you may have seen that if you read our little our little uh, promotion trailer and, and the description. Um, and that would be Mark McYoung. And for those of you who've heard of him, you know you're probably going, "Ooh, awesome! I'm gonna listen." Yeah, because he's amazing. For those of you who haven't, who is Mark McYoung? Nightbug. Uh, he does a lot of reality-based self-defense teaching. Um, he has a website at uh, nononsenseselfdefense.com. Uh, he and Diana Gordon, I believe that's his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, he's written a ton of books on the subject, and almost any time he posts something about it online, I have to go, you know, that's true. Yeah. I don't always agree with him. Um, but, you know, that's why we have opinions. <laughs> right. So if you guys want to learn something amazing, uh, because we do believe in teaching self-defense because, you know, it's it, this, that's the world we live in. That's the reality. Uh, he has some of the best tips I've ever heard. So we're really excited about him coming onto our show next week. And, uh, uh, another person that we've got lined up is a, a friend of mine who happens to be a firefighter. He was a fire chief for, oh gosh, so many years. He's been firefighting for 20 years. And he is also a community emergency response team and CPR um, instructor. And he can instruct us to instruct others as well. And he'll be coming on um, either that following week or the week after that. Uh, we're still nailing down the dates. And you know what, you guys? You can ask him all kinds of questions. I know I've got a million questions for a firefighter who's seen 20 years of, of you know, work um, and and who's taught community emergency response. Man, the stories he could tell us. Woo. And then, Spectre, I know you've got a couple of really cool people lined up too, right? Yeah, yeah. So the <clears throat> the guests I was lining up were, were more on, um, I guess, a topic close to both of our hearts is, is animals and animal conservation and um the, the two guests that I, I'm lining up for a show right now are um, uh, have both worked in primate conservation. One of them's worked with chimpanzees in the wild. The other one's uh, mm-hmm. traveled to Borneo and worked with orangutans. Um, oh, and, yay. Uh, you know, we'll be talking about, you know, how you get into animal conservation, some of the things that, you know, people can do in their own lives to, to try to, you know, help uh, preserve endangered species and, and so on. So it, it should be an interesting one as well. Oh man, that's going to be awesome. You know, I not many people know this, but when I went to college straight out of high school, I was studying to be a marine biologist because I really wanted to work 
with saving, you know, local uh, marine life out here. And I actually took a um, cetacean rescue class out here that they offered for the San Francisco Bay Area. And we are still on the list in case, say, uh, you know, a whale, anything washes up on the shores of San Francisco, we're on their call list to come out and and help until the actual biologists can get out there and, and try to save the um the creature so um oh, i'm cool. gonna have yeah i'm gonna have a ton of questions for them so that'll be that'll be cool especially orangutans oh it's so cool <laughs> sorry so that's um, the last thing because you know another quote i found was uh, <clears throat> uh when overseas you learn more about your own country than the place you're you're visiting which was uh clint borgen um, but but my favorite travel writer, Bill Bryson, who love him or hate him, but I, I love him, um, said, uh, to my mind, the greatest reward and luxury of travel is to be able to experience everyday things as if for the first time, to be in a position in which almost nothing is so familiar that it is taken for granted. And, um, you know, for me, one of the nicest things about traveling is coming home, right? And, and for me, home is now New York, without the shadow of a doubt. Um so let, let me ask, you know, now that you're, you're back home, uh, Rock, have you got anything uh, from a personal point of view that you've got planned over the summer to kick back and relax and uh, enjoy life a little bit, as well as all of this uh, this work that we've been talking about? I know, so much work, right? You know, it's so true because when I was out there, I mean, it's it's Washington. I'd never driven up to Washington. I'd never been to Washington before. And i got to tell you, Spectre, it's so lush and green. I mean, I'm a Hawaii file. I go there once a year, but I was blown away by how green and beautiful Washington was. It's just, you know, it's called the Evergreen State, and that's for a good reason. And it made me realize there are so many years that that have passed since the last time I actually went into the woods and went camping that I'm trying to to get us to do a family camping trip this year. I mean, I took that for granted, that it's always there, that California has some of the best forests and rivers around, even with the drought, you know. Um, but it made me realize I have not been into a place with just trees for a very long time. So, yeah, so that's one of my goals this year is to try to go camping. Nice. Campfire. Oh my God, I love the crackle of a campfire. So anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. I could go on, and we could have a whole show about camping, as far as I'm concerned. So there you go. Yeah, and you, you know what? We are doing almost exactly the same. In a couple of weeks, we're heading up to the the Catskill Mountains, and you know the cool thing about camping is you don't really need that much equipment to do it. You can pick up, you know, old tents and things for next to nothing. And the actual mm-hmm. cost of the camping is just virtually nothing. It's, you know, 10 bucks a day or something, I think, the place that we go to. And, you know, they have decent facilities. They have bathrooms. They have, you know, and, and they have fire pits and things all built out mm. for you. So, you know, you don't run as much of a risk of burning your tent down in the middle of the night. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a very, you know, the thing I love about it is we take a guitar, we take some food, you know, we... We just hang out. There are no electronics. There are no TV. You know, the kids, it's quality time, you know, real quality. Right, right. Oh, God, I love the Catskills. I'm jealous. We've got a caller. It's the very last. Let's take it really quick. Yeah. I know who this is. We know who this is. Welcome, caller. You got two minutes. 
You do? Yeah, you I got, got it right at the end of the show. I was going to call earlier, right. then I got distracted. That's all right, my dear. For those of you who don't know, this is Travis Heisel of the Legacy Initiative. The Legacy Initiative, if you look them up, Google them, they are one of the, the best groups that you could get to know. They do homeless outreach everywhere, and they're trying to change things in the, in the state of Utah for the homeless. So uh, this is their one of their founders, the guy, Travis Heisel. Welcome, Travis. You've got like yeah, a minute welcome, left, Travis. but we're happy to have you here. Two minutes. Hi, <laughs> And we're going to be seeing you at Project Hope. Oh, we're glad. You know what? You're going to be at Project Hope in three weeks, aren't you? Three weeks? Is it that far away? I thought it was less time than that. Oh, my God. It might be two and a half. Now you're making me nervous. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Three weeks. It's coming quick. I'm so excited I can't see straight. No, I, oh, my God. And Christmas is around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, really? It's like a, it's like an adult Christmas. Now, Travis, we met uh, three, three years ago, really quickly. He brought eleven hundred bean and cheese burritos. He and his group, they made them fresh that morning. Not kidding, four o'clock in the morning, they're up there um, boiling the beans, and we gave them out to San Diego's homeless. That was what, like three years ago, right, Travis? Yeah, yeah. two years ago, something like that. Anyway, it's we're so glad years. you're gonna. Be there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, you guys, 1120 burritos, way too much. Oh, right. Yeah, but we we got to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, even if it is the last couple minutes of the show, I am really glad you came on. People, look up the Legacy Initiative in Utah. It's it's a like I said, it's a group worth getting to know and getting worth supporting. Um, and Travis, we got to have you back on. Come back on next Tuesday, and we can chat some more. Yeah, I'll try. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll get you there. But I want to thank everybody in the chat room, Titus Lupus and uh, the other guys that we've got there. I don't want to get Geek Pile Radio was on there. And, uh, Sean, we thank you for being on there. And I want to thank my co-host, Spectre. And uh, you get the last few seconds. Spectre, take it away. All right. Yeah, well, thank you, everyone. So tune in next week for uh, a ton of great guests. As we've said, we've got a load of good stuff coming up. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening in. We wouldn't be anything without you guys. And we will talk to you soon. Good night, everyone. Love you. And thanks tonight. Bye. Bye. Sure now, was it?